I'm Betsy Reed, and this is The Discomfort Practice, where I talk to creatives, activists, leaders, scientists, and a host of others about discomfort, about the role it's played in their lives, who they are and what they do in the world, and the value of discomfort in helping us move forward as a society. Discomfort is just the edge of your comfort zone, and on the other side are superpowers. So settle yourself in, and let's get uncomfortable. I am really excited to introduce my next guest, and I'm even more excited to talk to her because I came across her through a Mark Groves course I was doing a few months ago. And if you don't know Mark Groves, he is an incredible human connection expert who has traditionally focused on relationships, but has a lot of very interesting thoughts on other things related to human connection and how we relate to each other. So I highly regard anyone he chooses to work with. And saw Nicole and just thought, oh my gosh, I want to talk to her. I want to get to know her brain. I want to find out more about the other parts of her work. So she is a somatic experiencing practitioner, somatic practice, Feldenkrais, and yoga practitioner. On her website, she says she's committed to supporting people in recognizing their own innate ability to move past the blocks that are stopping them from living a fulfilling life. So, so far, so along the lines of the themes that I talk about all the time on here, we've been really mining a theme, uh, uh, mining a, a thread lately on trauma. So this is very aligned with that. So Nicole believes that in order to live a fulfilling life, we need to move out of survival and recognize that we are already whole and find regulation within our nervous system and be more connected within our mind, body, and soul. So her practice is a blend of a whole lot of things from Feldenkrais, Feldenkrais, never sure how to pronounce that, which is the work of Moisha Feldenkrais, to yoga, and most importantly, somatic experiencing, which is the work of Peter Levine. And we're going to talk a bit about what exactly that is, because a lot of people might not be familiar with somatic work, somatic as a term, what does it mean? Um, and she also works with somatic practice, which, which is the work of Kathy Kane. So I hope we get through all of those people because their work is fascinating and I'd love to know more myself. Nicole addresses patterns that stem from trauma, including shock, developmental, intergenerational, which is really important to think about, and really anything that involves the need to survive. So I'm really, really looking forward to this conversation. I'm looking forward to all the things I'm probably going to learn as we chat, because we're going to talk about somatics, neuroscience, trauma, and discomfort, and how discomfort can help us to become more ourselves, which is a really beautiful theme because just that idea that anything can be material to become your best self is true and something that I really want to bring to the world. So welcome, Nicole. Thank you for being here. Thank you. And thanks for that amazing intro. It's always so cool to hear how people take what I've written on my website and then weave it into this beautiful intro and you nailed it. I think yours is my favorite so far. Oh, I'm going to say that to all the podcasters. I don't. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we started off on a bumpy, I don't know why, but if the sound is funky in this episode, it's because my goddamn fancy pants podcasting mic and the platform I used to record just weren't talking to each other. So I'm starting with a little bit of like, harumph, but I've had my workout today, so I'm actually pretty chilled. But you're sitting in Canada today. I'm sitting in Barcelona. You look so much cooler than I do. Uh, and I'm, I'm just dying to dive in because I've warned you what my first question always is. And <laughs> this is really a get to know each other chat. So mm-hmm. here we go. What's an uncomfortable moment that's changed your life that drives who you are and has shaped what you do in the world? So I'm going to answer that question in a way that you isn't maybe the typical answer. <laughs> I'm going to focus less on the event, and more on my experience. For me, what really has changed how I work with discomfort is when I recognized what it meant to listen to my body in discomfort. And it's as soon as that light bulb went off, that there was this language going on and what it actually meant to feel discomfort that I was like, holy shit, there's so much to learn here. And I mean, there was a few situations 
but ultimately it was the realization of my body's doing something that I'm so unaware of and holy crap, now I'm aware of it. And now what's next? So it was less about the events and more about the realization that my body was speaking to me. And that was a smack in the face and something that I had to listen to. And I mean, this is where awareness becomes really annoying because once you start noticing your body's response in discomfort, then it's like, oh crap, now I have to pay attention and I have to get curious. Well, I don't have to, but I can't now at this point, I can't not. So, I mean, I can give examples, but to me, you know, I'll give an example because, you know, why not? For me, one of the big moments was I was in the SE training and I'm really outgoing. I'm really, you know, I'm a teacher. I've always taught. I taught snowboarding. I taught swimming. I taught yoga. I taught Feldenkrais. I see. I can't even say the word. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good. Good to know. Right. right? Um, But when I was in the training and there was this moment of needing to be vulnerable and having to grab the microphone to ask a question. And in the somatic experiencing training, we're learning about listening to the nervous system and learning to, to track our physiology and I'm like grabbing the mic when usually I'm outspoken and everything inside of me is just like holy shit what you're gonna say something and you know feeling my hand shaking and feeling myself sweating and 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 feeling my insides just wanting to really just freeze up and and you know I'm so used to speaking and presenting and sharing but then to be in that vulnerable position um, and to feel the response my body was like a holy crap I have to listen to this right so that to me was so powerful and just like okay there's no going back now so was it was it that it was just such a different experience that you thought where is this coming from or was it that it just didn't feel like you somehow or you know sort of what was your your moment where you thought, I have to deal with this because dot, dot, dot. Why? Yeah, I think the intensity of it, ultimately, before, you know, all I was doing was asking a question. It wasn't even that vulnerable. I wasn't exposing myself or anything. But it was this realization that this language was so loud. Mm. And there was clearly something there for me to pay attention to. And that's why I love that your podcast is all about discomfort because to me, discomfort is an indicator that there's something to learn, that there's something to move through, that there's something to grow from. And to me, that that indicator in my body of like, holy cow, I didn't think it was hard for me to ask a question. Like I'm I'm always out there involved in in group settings, but that situation was so loud to me that it was like, okay, clearly, I mean, still, I I still remember four years later in another training still, I mean, I still have a hard time grabbing the microphone and just being vulnerable and asking a question. It's changed. It's gotten easier. It's let, there's less discomfort in it. But um, yeah, that was just that smack of the face of like, holy, there's so much more going on within my body that I didn't even really pay attention to in the past and that happens for all of us but most most people i'm going to stick my neck out and say and then ask your opinion don't ever really tune in and question that you know most people just don't realize it's there or continue to ignore it but yeah i totally agree that discomfort is an indicator that there's something to grow from that's the whole premise of this podcast and i came to it through combination of Lots of self-work and being a yin yoga teacher and teaching Mm. people to sit in the edges of discomfort and just realizing how the yin yoga practice is not really about the yoga. It's about the discomfort and it's about your mind and it's real life practice. So, yeah. Well, okay. How do you explain somatic experiencing? Mm. What is it and how can it be a benefit? So I'll start with the word somatic because that's a word that's used a lot right now. So somatic means of the body. So there's a lot of practices that are body-based, hence why you'll see the word somatic out there. Somatic experiencing is the work of Peter Levine, and his work is based on 
the survival physiology, meaning looking at the reptilian brain, which is our lower brain, which is all about survival. So what is it we need to do to survive? And then trauma is us stuck trying to still survive a situation, even though the situation isn't going on anymore. There's a belief within our system that I'm still in danger and I need to be surviving. So Peter developed this modality that is around supporting the nervous system to shift out of these survival patterns that we're stuck in, these traumas that we're stuck in, and really looking at the somatic experience. So looking at the experience in the body and how it's showing up, whether that's sensations in the body, or maybe there's um, these behaviors that are incomplete that are trying to work themselves out, little movements or actions, self-protecting responses. Maybe there's these this imagery that shows up or certain smells all of a sudden kick in when you're triggered in a certain way or a ringing in the ear is always there or you have all these syndromes and you don't know why. You know, it's all showing up in the physiology, in the body. And the more we learn to pay attention to those languages and get curious about what's happening, the more we can support ourselves to heal these places that we're stuck still trying to survive. That's happening at such a deep layer for our brain like it's not this cognitive rational oh I need to survive this this is like deep within our system there's this belief that I'm in danger and I need to survive so how do we support the body as a whole to move through whatever we're stuck in mm, and it's so it's therefore completely unconscious so what's the difference between that and somatic practice the, the Kathy Kane work that you were Yeah, so about. Kathy Kane um, supported the development of somatic experiencing, and she still teaches some uh, somatic experiencing components. Like she'll teach some advanced classes, so she's very familiar with the work. She comes more from a body-based pr- perspective, whereas Peter came more from a psychological perspective. So even though he's stemmed in a lot of body work into it and has a lot of experience in that realm as well, Kathy comes at it more from her own technique. So, you know, it's like yoga where you have all these different modalities and ultimately we all just teach what we know because we're teaching from our own experiences. Kathy comes at it from a slightly different approach where she's really working with the body. She's working with the tissues. She's working with the organs. Um, there's a lot more touch work involved with Kathy's trainings and focuses a lot more on developmental trauma versus somatic experiencing tends to focus a little more on shock trauma. And we do still dive into some developmental trauma within that as well, but just same, same, but different ultimately. <laughs> okay. That makes sense. It's sort of yeah. the, yeah, the, the way that you get into, well, that they got into the somatic work. So one's brain, one's body, but it all kind of is aiming toward the same place. Or exactly. Using and, range and really looking at the body's experience, well, all, looking mm-hmm. at the whole picture, but really looking at these layers that other modalities don't tend to look at when looking at trauma. Well, the idea is more cognitive. Yeah. Everything, well, your body is the hard drive of your life, right? Everything exactly. is stored in there and yeah. whether you're conscious of it or not. Yes. So, I mean, how, hmm, where, where even to go next with that? I have so many questions <laughs> because we can talk about how does trauma affect people and talk about fight, flight, freeze or, um, yeah, I guess how, how does, hmm, I'm not even sure what question to ask next because I have a list of ones and I didn't want to ask them all. Let's just go back to you. What drew you into this work? Because I think that will probably take us down an interesting path in terms of, you know, what help it's been to you, what help it's been to others. Was it a personal journey or was it that you knew you wanted to do this professionally or what drew you to into doing it professionally? Hmm. I mean, where I am now, what drew me here is ongoing curiosity of knowing that there's more to who we are and trying to understand what that means and what that looks like and how to support both myself and other people in that exploration. I think, I mean, my journey started with yoga. I taught yoga for, I don't even know. I started teaching in 2005 and loved the practice, but didn't love the scene 
And, Amen. Amen. Right? As a yoga teacher, I'm like, oh God, I'm so fed up with the yoga um, world. Yeah, getcha. Right? Like, even though this is the opportunity to get into our bodies and get to know ourselves, there's still, it felt very unauthentic to me. Um, and I never felt included in the community, which was part of my own trauma, ultimately. You know, attachment pieces is definitely, and relating is definitely part of my own trauma. But it always felt like, okay, there's more to this. Like this isn't the full platform of what I want to be continuing my practice under. So that's when I got into Feldenkrais and Feldenkrais is um, named after Moshe Feldenkrais. And to me, he, he was doing and exploring neuroplasticity before it was a thing, right? He was exploring our patterns of movement and how to, find more ease and efficiency with how we use ourselves. So he was using movement to lead people into discovering more of what it meant to be more human, more aligned in how we are designed to be. Again, using movement as an in, but ultimately, to me, his work is so much deeper than that. So I dove into that training because I had a mentor friend who was doing that work and I went to some of her workshops and I was like, I have no idea what's happening, but I feel incredible. And I feel like, oh my gosh, this makes sense. I need to know what's happening here. And like, how can I feel so much more lighter and free and mm. fluid? And yeah, that was just like, again, that curiosity of me, how, mm. what, how do I unravel more of what my potential is right mm. and that training was yeah eye-opening because I've only been to one Feldenkrais class and I didn't know what it was and I was like well I only have time to I wanted to go to yoga but the only class they have on at this little space is this thing I've never heard of and I was just like what the hell is this but <laughs> I like it. And I, yeah, because a lot of actors use it, don't they? To sort of open up the body. And that's how I first heard of it was through friends who are actors. And right. So I still yeah. don't understand what it is. But now I, neuroplasticity before it was a thing is a great way to mm -hmm. explain it. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, our body is always looking for the easiest way of doing things. Hence why discomfort is like, whoa, why would I go there? Right. But for our bodies, we're looking for the easiest way. And I mean, there's also the familiar way, which we tend to resort to, but there's this opportunity to dive into creating space to discover that something else is possible that is of more ease. So that's why the modality I find is so cool, because there's this richness that happens and this, ultimately, this exposure of like, oh, this is possible, and I didn't even know it. And and our bodies start to shift in ways because it's like, oh, why would I do that old way? Because this is way easier. Unless that old way, of course, is some form of trauma where it's trying to protect or trying to, it has purpose ultimately. Talk about that. How do we get stuck in our uncomfortable but comfortable comfort zones? You know, like how do we get stuck in trauma because it's actually just what we know? Mm -hmm. And then what's the resistance that pops up when when you start to try to move that through movement or somatic experiencing? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great question because to me, that's the work, right? Is first recognizing what is the familiar and we don't always have to recognize, but the more we discover like, okay, this is the familiar way of being. This is how I've learned to survive in the world. And I often call them like the survival patterns. I call them allies. It's like, okay, my, my allies are kicking in here to protect me in some way. And this is what I know. This is what's familiar. I, I have a sense of, I'm going to air quote control in this situation, right? Because when I have control, I feel again, air quotes, safe, perceived safe. Um, so there's this experience in the familiar that even though it might not be serving me anymore, there's a perception that it still serves me. It's still protecting me. It's still keeping me safe. Um, and that's why we tend to always resort back to it because anything other than that feels scary as hell to the system. Rationally, yeah. we might be able to be like, what do you mean? Like, yeah, go do that. That's not that difficult. But something in you is like, I can't. Or I try, but then I resort back to the familiar, the, the thing that's kept me safe. My allies kick in and are like, nope, we're not doing this. So 
that's why learning to listen to the body I find is so helpful because yeah, we can try to mentally prepare ourselves for things or we can repeat mantras or we can um, do breath work to try to power through. We can do all these things, but ultimately what needs to happen is we need to challenge that discomfort and that edge of where we feel that hesitation or we feel the fear to have the system realize, Oh wait, I can move through this and I'm okay. I didn't die. And now I can shift out of what was that pattern that protected me. That was that familiar, comfortable comfort zone. And now my window of what's comfortable has changed because there's something Mm -hmm. deep within my system that has realized what was perceived as scary actually isn't. It might've felt like it for Often it's a split second. It's a split second of like, oh, I found the edge and oh my goodness, I'm literally going to die. There's this experience in the body that's so big that it's like, oh my gosh. And then there's this shift. And I talk about riding waves. It's it's, There's this shift up and over that and you land in this other experience of, whoa, I survived that and I'm okay. And I mean, it doesn't even have to be anything big. It's just relative to our body's experience Mm. to this situation that's like feels so big I love that metaphor of the wave because you can feel that it's it's safe rather than a cliff edge and also rather than having to fight your allies your trusty allies who kept you alive and they're like hey we've been keeping you safe for your entire (laughs) life don't you tell me yeah so it's rather than sort of fighting with yourself it's actually working with yourself and riding a wave I like that it's a forward totally. progress kind of it metaphor. It sure yeah. is. And the appreciation of those allies, you know, the appreciation of those survival patterns. They've served purpose in the past. Like there's just still this perception in the, in the nervous system that what you're exposing yourself to that triggers this pattern is dangerous. And until we learn to recognize that discomfort and that edge and kind of experiment and play there, will continue to rely on those patterns as much as, you know, we might want to try to have the mind support ourselves to shift out of that. It's until there's a felt somatic shift that will continue to use those same patterns, maybe in slightly different ways, but ultimately to get to the core of it, that, that experience in the body has to shift. Wow. We so get in our own way, don't we? (laughs) We sure do. And we live in this super like hyper rational world where people celebrate the enlightenment and logic and and that's why people get promoted but it's the tip of the iceberg isn't it mm-hmm. it's like the mind is a bit above the water and then there's that huge continent of an iceberg beneath the yes. surface where things happen and things get stuck are there any sort of remarkable stories that come to mind or just notable stories about how you've seen things shift for people or where you've seen people struggle or just, you know, those memorable moments as a therapist doing your work. Yeah. Just spill some stories on us. <laughs> well, confidentially, I can't still spill yeah. direct stories. Obviously. <laughs> well, being completely ethical as a therapist, obviously. You know, I think the biggest shift I see people make is the recognition of who they really are. And then challenging their patterns in in life in a way where you know I would have never spoken up or I would have never said something in this situation or I would have never stayed and confronted someone or I would have never quit my job and chose this road you know it's ultimately witnessing people not only expose more of who they are, but the the willingness to get uncomfortable and the willingness to support themselves in the discomfort because they understand what's going on. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm finding this place of discomfort, which before I would have avoided or I would have turned away from, or I would have, you know, done something where I'm stay protected and stay small. But instead I know I can, I have the capacity to dip into this discomfort to be in this experience and, and move through it and come out the other side and really celebrating the sense of like, yeah, I, I'm showing up as myself and I'm okay. I survived this. 
I think that's the most common thing I see is that shift and like, I don't have to stay small anymore. or I don't have to hide anymore. I don't have to stay quiet anymore. And there's this transition into a, I know now a little bit more. I mean, it's an ongoing journey of who am I, but a little bit more of an ability to recognize like, wait, this isn't okay. And I'm going to challenge this, or I'm going to confront this, or I'm going to take action and follow something that allows me to get uncomfortable, but ultimately grow from that. And that's what's been the most inspiring with my clients is seeing, seeing that transition of like not having the fear stop them. Mm. Unless I'll ultimately, again, of course, if the fear is real, because there's a legit danger there. But um, so what I also find really cool is how sometimes how quickly it can work. And that's what mm. really gets me excited with clients. When we learn to listen to the body's response in these situations that we're stuck in, where we're confronting discomfort, ultimately, when we learn to move through these pieces that we're still stuck in, all of a sudden the whole world changes. Mm. Like before I wasn't able to confront my mother, whereas now I have this deep relationship with her. Like within a few sessions, something has shifted because I'm no longer seeing her as a threat. I'm no longer seeing this experience as um, complete danger where I have to shut down and stay quiet and hide from her, right? There's just this unraveling of like, whoa, I'm okay. I'm actually okay. And I can express myself and I can have a conversation here and I don't have to hide, right? Like wow. Examples of that where it's just these things we get stuck in. I mean, that's our trauma. We're just stuck still trying to survive something when the threat mm. isn't really there anymore. And when the nervous system realizes that, we then no longer need to show up in that surviving way and we get to show up more authentically. Ah, oh, if anybody listening has sort of done done the work of any sort, whether it's somatic work or therapy or whatever, and had those moments where suddenly things just start to release and speed up, it's it's one of those times of just feeling like the world is yours. You're magical because mm -hmm. I've experienced that myself through a lot of the work that I've done in, you know, somatic stuff and yoga and therapy and just letting go of trauma has been so it's like losing a hundred pounds off your back. Totally. Bitterness is like dragging around a dead body with you or several yeah. bodies, depending on yeah. how many, many people you're bitter with of that. But I was, uh, I saw something actually today from, a past guest who is a neuroscience expert in Australia, his name's Scott Robinson, the brain guy. So he comes from a very, like an athlete and a movement background. And he was talking about how much more likely it is that you will have a very serious chronic disease in middle age, depending on your relationship with your parents. Mm -hmm. And if you describe it as cold or traumatic and with your father, it's like 81% or something like that. Totally made up that statistic. It's in the eighties. And if you Hi. have that kind of relationship with your mother, it's in the 90s. And wow. just, yeah, the, the urgency with which we all need to release trauma because it has such a genuine and palpable impact on our physical well-being, our mental mm -hmm. well-being, our other relationships. Like this genuinely helps people. It's not woo-woo. It's not totally. nice to have, is it? But yet no. it's still not, it's, it's not as mainstream as you would hope it is, right? But... Have you it's seen, happening. I was about to say, given the discomfort of the past year and a half now, going on a year and a half, have you seen a shift at all in people seeking you out or people really wanting to dive deeper into their trauma, their work that they need to do to free themselves? Yeah, 100%. And who knows why? I mean, we can say the new paradigm, we can say uh, COVID making us look at ourselves, but I, uh, my friend, mentor, the one who got me into um, Feldenkrais, Irene Lyon, she does much of the same work I do from a different background and different personality. So obviously we bring different flavors to the table, but she started bringing this work into the online world. Oh, I want to say seven years ago or something like that. And 
you know, back then people were like, what are you doing? People don't know what that is. People don't need that or think they need that. Like they can't relate to it. And she's like, no, this world, this work needs to get out there. And it's been really cool because I used to work for her and it's been really cool to see her practice evolve. And then obviously my practice evolve as well, because the work is needed. Even seven years ago, people were hungry and ready, but not necessarily knowing what it was. And now the more people that discover it, I find, and I mean, this was my experience too, the more like light bulb moments where it's like, yes, oh my gosh, of course I need to listen to the body. Of course this trauma stuck within my body. And of course, yeah, I have these experiences show up and I have no idea why. And I, I can't, and don't need to figure it out, but I can support myself more from a somatic perspective to allow transformation to happen at a cellular level. And it doesn't matter why or where it's all coming from, but there's this readiness that's in the air and this curiosity that's in the air that I really, really feel. And and I'm currently doing some research calls because I'm revamping my program and the underlying the underlying feel that I sense in every single person I've talked to, and I've talked to about 25 people so far, is this will, this will and this knowing that there's this desire for something to be different, but they don't yet know how to access it or what it means or what it feels like, or, you know, but there's this thing that's just there in every single person I've talked to. It's so cool. It's a feeling of anticipation and excitement. It's like, it's like the night before Christmas in a way, because I get that too in my work. And there's just this like, we don't know what it's going to look like, but the future is going to be different somehow because it has to be because exactly. enough people realize our planet's on fire and our society is breaking down. But also yeah. that, that we've broken ourselves. We've been in systems mm-hmm. that break us and we are unwilling to do that anymore. Yeah. Who knows why it's been the perfect storm. Some might call it a shit show. I like to see it as a perfect storm, but yeah, there's a hunger and it's exciting. And it's exciting really to hear is. that from your perspective too, which leads me into a question I love to ask. wasn't planning to ask this one, but what excites you? What gives you hope about the future in terms of your practice, in terms of human evolution and development, but also just in general, what makes you excited? I think the biggest thing that drives me both in my work and my personal life is seeing the potential in every single person and yeah not everyone's going to access it and some people are stuck in a lot of shit and there's some nasty people out there but there's also this underlying potential that really glows in everyone and I sense that and it's that's why I love the work that I do is it's like this opportunity for the unraveling of that to become more and more alive in people and like that to me is what will change this world is the opportunity and the and the ultimately also the tools to allow people to tap into that unraveling of this potential and this this I don't even know what words to exactly put to it but there's this like energy within each of us that when given the opportunity and it, it comes alive it's so powerful and so beautiful and that drives my relationships that drives the work that I do with clients with my courses right like it's that foundational knowing that that's there and ready to be revealed that's so exciting to me well and also there's there's a collective energy and whether you believe in energy or not I mean you could just get it when you walk in a room at a party and feel a buzz but there is a certain point at which there's going to be a tipping point isn't there mm-hmm. There's like, as people, more and more people are drawn to their work and more and more people wake up to this stuff and whether or not they do our kind of work, somatic experiencing and therapy or whatever, or they just go climb more mountains Mm -hmm. and contemplate their lives more. I think there is this momentum at which there's going to be a tipping point where it changes culture, it changes Mm -hmm. collective direction. And that, that excites me too. And it's just, I mean, maybe I really do find good confirmation bias guests here, but I keep talking to people who excite me more and more that things things out there are changing. It's not just me. 
I'm not yes, just, right? you know, <laughs> yeah. stuck in my little bubble of like, oh, I've wanted to change the world forever and I want people to join me and I'm finding them. Am I just making this up? So yeah, this is really <laughs> encouraging to hear because yeah, we've all been doing a lot of work for a long time and, and it feels mm-hmm. like we've got company. People are really yeah. along for the journey. Totally. Yeah, so how do you find this work relates particularly to two things? personal relationships, and then work. I'm just interested in how people take that into both of those areas. Mm. Again, so two of my favorite words are awareness and curiosity. So when we're dipping into getting to know ourselves at this level, at a more somatic level, and we're becoming more aware of our trauma or our survival patterns and when they show up in our life, there's great opportunity in relationship and in the workplace for those situations to arise, right? And it can be as simple as recognizing, oh, there's a bit of discomfort here, right? And for me, the what I'm looking for is a change in my physiology. So when I'm in a relationship with a friend or a partner and we're having a conversation about something and I notice there be a change in my physiology, so what does that mean? I notice myself I'm clenching my jaw a little bit or I'm noticing myself hold my breath a little or I'm noticing myself get a little smaller or I'm noticing myself um, getting a little agitated, right? But I'm feeling these responses happening within my body and there's the opportunity then with the awareness to then get curious. Okay, what what's happening here? I'm having this conversation with a partner and I'm finding myself move into a bit of agitation, like, cool, interesting. There's a change in my physiology. I'm moving maybe towards discomfort because usually anytime we feel something, it's like, oh, what is this? Because we're not <laughs> taught to feel. But, right, there's this experience I'm having and now I get to get curious. Like, what is happening here? And sometimes it happens so fast. We maybe get in an argument and then it's not until after the fact that I can reflect. But the more we learn to pay attention and and feel these changes happening, the more we can get curious about what's happening. Is this old? Is this a trauma? And I'm, or is this a legit response? And my boundaries have been crossed, and I'm I'm actually uh, should be angry right now, right? And and then I move through it, and then there's reconnection, and I have a sense of belonging, and and I land back in feeling safe and part of the community. You know, which is ultimately to me the he- the healing process is moving through this isolation as I experience my trauma or my my protecting responses, and then I move back into experiencing belonging and and connection. But when we know how to pay attention to what's happening in us, we get more information, and then we can continue to be more curious and be like, "Ooh, this keeps showing up. I keep responding the same way." Clearly, there's something here I need to work with, explore, learn more about. And the same thing goes for work, right? We can really be sent into lots of different ways of surviving, whether that's being successful or having to succeed. You know, there's all these ways that we feel we might need to be in the world. And we start unraveling what those look like and how they're showing up. And again, what I think is really important is, we're not trying to fix everything. It's not like I'm broken and things are wrong and I have to fix myself. This to me is more about, let's just get curious. Let's get more aware of how I'm showing up in the world. And like, Oh, there I am in that survival pattern again. Yeah. It's stupid and annoying. And I wish it wasn't there, but (laughs) it's helped me in the past. It's helping me now. Let's get a little curious and see if I can use it a little less and Mm -hmm. be in the discomfort that comes if I'm protecting myself a little less in this situation. Right. So to me, the work is like, there's the opportunity to be aware and curious all the time, which sometimes gets a bit annoying, but (laughs) ultimately it's also the unraveling of like really exposing where am I stuck? What trauma do I still want to work with and heal? Um, and that it's the journey of kind of, I talk often of like landing back in wholeness as I, as I shift any fragmentations that may be limiting and, and, or causing me to be stuck or uh, causing me to be more protective or not authentic ultimately. 
God. How do I shift those to land back in authenticity and wholeness? I love that, land back in authenticity and wholeness. But also it, it feels like this work should come with a warning label because once you switch on that awareness, you never get to switch it off again. You, nope, you sure don't. You don't get to just go do therapy for an hour a week and then forget about it, right? <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. But also you, you made a really interesting point that I'd love to hear more about, which is that, you know, you don't, you're not broken. You're not doing this work because there's anything wrong with you or you're broken. So what is your philosophy on that? You know, sort of how do you see people? Because it seems to be really deliciously, delightfully whole and healthy and everybody's starting from there's nothing wrong with you but mm -hmm. so then what does somatic experiencing do, do for people you know if it's not to fix ourselves what are we doing what's the yeah worry? i wouldn't necessarily say that's somatic experiencing that's my practice and you know, like any any person who works with people we all just merge in our own experiences uh i i have yet to practice or learn a modality that teaches people that they're not whole or I mean that they're, there's nothing to fix that being said I do have a mentor a spiritual coach I work with who is very much focuses on wholeness so that I definitely learned from him from Chris Durkees and that's really shaped an understanding of how I see the world because I've always seen the world that way and now I have the words to understand that oh I see people in their wholeness of course, that's what's happening there versus we tend to see people in what's wrong with them or, you know, these characteristics that are flaws. And one thing I actually learned from him that I find really helpful that can maybe shift our perspective around that is when you're caught up in something that you think is wrong, that you are, think you need to be fixing Often when we're in that experience, it's like we are that experience. So if you draw a big circle and you see yourself as that experience and within the experience, maybe there's a knowing that you're already whole, whatever that means to you. Some of you, that comment might land. Some of you, it might just be an idea. Some of you might be like, what the hell is that? But within that big circle, if you draw a small circle and that small circle represents the fact that you're whole. And there's a part of you that's authentic, let's call, let's call that wholeness and authenticity as well. We get so consumed by that big circle and by what's wrong, and we continue to try to fix what's that, even though we know that there's a little part of us that's okay and that we're authentic and that we're whole. But if you switch the circles so that the big circle is actually you as your wholeness, as you and your authenticity... And then you have small circles in there that are the pieces, the fragmentations that we often get caught up in. There's a different experience in that. And you can hold yourself differently when you recognize that big circle is wholeness and these survival patterns and your traumas and your way of showing up in the world are just little pieces within that. And to me, the more we can hold ourselves in that wholeness as we experience these fragmentations or these, these ways of surviving in the world, there's a very different experience that happens there. And as I talk about that, I encourage you to notice what's happening in your own body and the contrast in between the big circle being what's wrong versus the big circle being you and your authenticity and your wholeness. Oh, that's a great exercise, actually. Yeah, I love how you talk about wholeness and fragmentation and that whole big circle shifting is just so useful because it is so easy, especially when there are a lot of stressful things going on mm -hmm. to identify with the things that are the speed bumps in your life rather than seeing them as just ah, the bumpy moments that happen in everybody's lives just being like, I am a failure or I am unlucky or yeah, creating that story that then becomes who you are. It's really useful. This might be a good moment. You mentioned we might be able, we could do a little demo. And I actually think, let's do it. Let's yeah, do it. All right. I have no idea what's about to happen, but I'm <laughs> in your hands and let's, let's do this. Yeah. Ultimately, um, what I'd love to explore with you is this idea of discomfort that you talk about, because we can all relate to being uncomfortable and we all know what that is. We all have experiences where that arises, but my invitation here is for everyone to get curious about how it shows up in the body. Mm -hmm. So when you experience discomfort, what happens? 
And there's a few things I talk about within that exploration. One is just getting familiar with how you feel it. Like maybe there's a sensation in the body, maybe there's a, a getting small feeling, or you even feel your shoulders roll forward, or maybe you want to run and get the heck out of there. <laughs> there's some sort of pattern that shows up, right? To just notice what happens both within the body and just as a behavior as well, like what's my go-to when I get uncomfortable. And then when we learn to pay attention to that, then we get to get curious and we start to play with finding the edge, like you talk about the edge of the discomfort, right? And so when we're looking at the edge of discomfort from a somatic perspective, it's like, where is this line where if I go past that, it feels really scary, but I can kind of stay at the edge of what that line is. And this is where we can then do a few things and we'll see what arises organically with you. But one invitation I'll put out there for everyone is like, when you find yourself exploring your experience and you, you know, something feels like you're at an edge of this discomfort, you can do one of two things or both things. Really. You can pendulate, which is move away from the discomfort a little, see what that's like, how your body changes often. Oh, like even me talking about it, I felt myself soften a little, mm-hmm. right? There's a breath. It's like, okay, that's easier. And now move towards it again. So you can feel the contrast in the physiology in your body and how, how you shift away from discomfort and towards discomfort. So there's a learning process there. And when we do that, again, like I was talking about with Feldenkrais, there's this realization of like, okay, this is easier. This is more spacious or expansive. This is more contracting. But Mm -hmm. actually the next time I went there, it's less scary. And I was able to move further than I was before to that edge, which before felt really scary now is less scary. Mm -hmm. So there's some room being created to be in the discomfort, some capacity that's increasing through what's called pendulation. Mm -hmm. So that's one exploration we might get to. We'll see. And then another another way to work with you experiencing discomfort is titration. And titration, if you remember science class, when you had two chemicals and if you mix them together, they'd create a big explosion. Oh, yeah. But if, remember that? Yeah. It's the fun stuff. That's what everybody wants to do in high school. We just want to blow stuff up. Yeah. <laughs> totally. And we can do the same thing when we're working with ourselves. We can easily blow ourselves up. But the more we titrate, the more the nervous system is going to be willing to go there in a way where it's subtle and simple and the transformation happens with ease instead of this forced blow up where then you have to do a bunch of repair and navigate, whoa, who the hell am I? Because I just did a 10-day Vipassana and now I am just fully blew myself up because I don't even know what happened. And now I'm like, what? How do I relate to the world? Oh, so, God. Been there. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Titration can be so important. So then it's like, okay, I can find the edge. And then what's it like if I just get uncomfortable just a little tiny bit more? So titration coming back to science, instead of mixing the two chemicals together it's like with a little dropper you're just adding one drop at a time and eventually both chemicals are mixed but they didn't create the explosion because the the chemicals were mixed together in a titrated way so that's another way of working with getting curious about our experiences where do I find the edge and then how do I titrate just a little bit past that edge to feel what might happen there so those are see how that lands juicy all right you're you're in the driver's seat and let's do this. Let's do this in a way that anybody who's listening can do as long as they're not like driving or something like that. So yeah, set it up for us. Me, yeah. I, I'm the and to be clear. Thing. Yeah. I, I will, might what we do might relate and you might feel something in your own experience, but I'm going to be working with what's happening with you and that yes. might not necessarily resonate, but we'll see. I encourage all of you to explore and just see what happens. Yep. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. So this is where it's fun. We don't necessarily need context, right? A lot of the time when we try to work through something, we need context. Um, but I will offer context just so someone can think about something and then notice what happens Mm -hmm. so our mind is pretty powerful and even just by thinking of a time where you've experienced discomfort by you remembering that experience chances are you'll feel something within your body 
Yep. I'm going to pause for a sec because I'll also invite the opposite. If you remember a time where you felt um, expansive, where you felt joy, where you felt connection, whether it's with nature or animals or um, another person, right, or what you were doing in activity, that too will invite an experience. So mm-hmm. as a contrast, okay. I'll invite you to feel both so that we can sense the difference of how these land in the body, and then we'll get a little curious. Okay. So if you think of a time, let's start with the expansive experience. So think of a time where things were going well, you felt connection or expansion or um, joy or excitement, any of those feel-good feels. Mm -hmm. And if you just remember that experience for a moment, what do you sense happening in your own body? There's a feeling of openness in my chest and I want to roll my shoulders back and I just automatically smile and I feel lighter. Mm -hmm. I feel like Mm -hmm. 10 kilos lighter. Totally. Yeah, I can feel that. And you almost got taller, like you're taking up more Mm -hmm. space, even though you're lighter. There's this sense of here I am. Yeah. 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 And safety. Absolute Mm -hmm. safety. Yeah. Yeah. And I can even feel you land here with me a little bit more. Mm. Since mm. then. Mm. It's interesting that. Like a little more in the pelvis or in the feet and just like. Yeah. What were you going to say? Sorry. Oh, it's interesting that it even it can be, it's not all internal. It's not about me. You're feeling mm. it through the mm-hmm. internet on different mm-hmm. continents. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right, you're ready to go the other direction? Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) So even just thinking about going the other direction might already have changed this experience you felt. And that's what's pretty, there's an example of titration. We haven't even gone to the memory, but the body's already shifting. And throughout our day, our body's always shifting. That's the key is the ability to always be shifting relative to what's going on in the world. Definitely. So as you dip into this memory of discomfort, what changes within your body, your physiology? How do things change? Even just the thought of going into the memory that popped up, my heart rate went up mm-hmm. and I feel a tightening in my chest and I want to just kind of start rounding and, and I can feel myself getting shorter. Totally. It was a conflict situation and yeah. and I just wanted to run away and I felt cornered. Yeah. Yeah. So even for those listening, notice Betsy's voice, like her voice is different. I can see her and I also have the ability to feel what's happening. Like I feel more distance between us. I can feel a little bit of that energy you're describing of wanting to kind of retreat, Mm. escape. And then notice if there's this sense of wanting to fix it. (laughs) or if it's okay to be in it so here's that example of is it okay to be in the discomfort or is there this sense of kind of wanting to move away from the edge of that i think there's total inner conflict over that totally my brain and my guts are fighting and i'm not sure which one is right (laughs) totally so if we leave context aside, and we're going to just play with what's showing up in the body, and this is a great example of the pendulation, right? There's these two things that want to happen. So the brain, the gut, but also I can feel these different movements wanting to happen or different sensations that want to happen. Does that resonate? Yeah. Yeah. yeah totally. Okay. I'm absolutely confused about what I'm feeling right now. Perfect. So <laughs> confusion, right. um, little Moshe Feldenkrais quote, confusion is learning at its best. Oh, I love it. Okay. Yeah. So okay. in that, I wonder if it's possible to slow down a little bit of what you're experiencing. Yeah. It felt okay. like I just turned down the tempo. Yeah, perfect. So just notice what happens as you turn down the tempo a little. And again, this wave riding, sometimes we dip into something and then we settle back out of it 
Um, this is where resources are helpful, coping strategies are helpful. We kind of dip into finding an edge and then we pull away. And then other times we dip into the edge and something changes and we organically ride through the experience and we land in a different place. Yeah, so I, for, I felt like I surfed through it. It felt like I just mm-hmm. had this moment of softening in my chest and my guts and this alignment and this sort of like, it's okay. Yeah. So this internal shift of into it's okay. Not you mentally telling yourself it's okay. No, just realizing I suddenly felt better and then my brain followed. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. So there's an example of like finding this place of discomfort and there was a frequency to it. There was a, a little more intensity to it. And again, often we we find this discomfort feeling and it's like, Ooh, I don't want to feel that. Let's move away from it. But by staying in it, getting a little curious in this context, we invited a little slowing down that allowed the system to perceive the experience as something different. Mm. And it allowed space for you to move through whatever that experience was. Wow. That's really powerful because it is simple, but skillful. And why do they not bloody teach this in kindergarten? (laughs) Right. Oh my God. This would change the world. Yeah. 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 But to anybody listening, I genuinely feel this shift in my body, this shift in my energy. And I know that when I'm in a situation like that, again, I will be conscious of it. You know, I know that I'm going to be like, Ooh, how do I feel? And then just take that breath and let things go into slow-mo again and see what happens because now I know I can ride the way that was so I'm gonna ask something around that did you consciously choose to take the breath or did the breath organically come it just came it wanted to come so that's important so when you take a breath consciously you're influencing your physiology actually I need to make a video about that that taking a deep breath isn't always a good idea versus when the breath organically happens, that's your physiology shifting into, wait, I'm okay. It's that, oh, that organically happens that you rode the way versus trying to influence the experience. That is key. So it isn't always a breath that comes or it, it isn't always, it just wanted to clarify that because otherwise people are, might be like, oh, I just need to take a breath and breathe through this. But that's not the case. The breath organically came because there was a shift yeah. out and of the discomfort. And I find myself wanting to continue taking deep breaths because I feel like I want to expand my ribs. I'm going to expand that part of me because it lifts me and it mm. opens up my chest. And that's just what my body wants right now. It feels good to breathe more deeply and sit up taller. Yeah, because it beautiful. Feels, yeah, it's letting things flow. It, wow. Yeah. So for the, for the fun of it, reflect back on that memory that you had and see what happens. There's still a little bit of chest tightening, but it Mm -hmm. feels completely different. Like it's not connected to my gut. My brain isn't at war. The conflict is gone in my internal conflict is gone. So cool. Hey, so there might be more like, right. if I'm working with someone with bigger trauma, I, we talk about vortexes and it's like you move through a layer of the vortex. Sometimes there's lots of layers of the vortex, but the more you move through these layers, the easier it gets to be in the depth of the the discomfort of the situation. Mm. And sometimes it's just like one layer and boom, my whole association to that experience changed. And now there's no longer this experience of conflict or discomfort or wanting to run and hide relative to that situation. And then when, the next time it happens, you might respond differently. Oh, I so hope this translates well to people listening, that you were able to either sense the experience I was having or maybe even get into your own, because there is so much out there that helps us to move through our vortexes, to go deeper. And a lot of it is really simple stuff, like we just did, but it's totally... It's simple, but it's based in how we actually function and how our, our nervous system works, but we understand so little and we're taught so little about the mind, about feeling our emotions. It's just not, it's real failure of our culture for a very long Feeling time. in general, yeah. being with our experience, right? Emotions, sensations, behaviors, the whole pooparoo, like how do we learn to be in our experience? Learn to be present in your life because even those of us who do a lot of this stuff, you know, we practice, 
we do practices that are about connecting us with our bodies and our feelings and blah, 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 blah. But I still have days when I think I don't feel connected to my life today. Mm-hmm. And it's not a good feeling. It's almost easier to not be aware of such things. You know, it's easier it's to never true. switch on that consciousness because once you know, you're yep. going to have a pretty shitty day. <laughs> Just like, how? How is the work constant? Because you're never done with the work because yeah. there is no broken or fixed. It's just the work. We're living, breathing organisms and that's the beauty of it, right? Totally. And it gets easier. The more we learn to support ourselves from this perspective, the more we know what we have capacity for and we can navigate when we run into situations that are uncomfortable or when we wake up and we're feeling shitty and we don't want to do anything. Like, how to support ourselves in that. Yeah, that's okay. Let's instead of power through and push through and pretend and get caught up in like, I'm a failure, whatever, whatever your story is or whatever your experience is. It's like, I can just support that. It's Mm. my reality right now. How do I hold that? Mm. That is, yeah, that's just valuable to remember. It's okay to support yourself. It's okay to feel your feelings. It's okay to be connected to your life. In fact, I would suggest it's a good thing to be connected to your life. But yeah, I guess, so what is your discomfort practice? What keeps you uncomfortable? (laughs) I know. All the things. (laughs) (laughs) Capital A, capital T, capital T, all the things. All the things. (laughs) I think to me, it's a daily practice of finding when I'm in some sort of activation and having an experience and recognizing, do I have the capacity to be in this? And how do I support myself in that? And um. A, a big piece for me is relations, right? Feeling that sense of belonging, feeling a sense of connection, feeling a sense of letting letting myself be vulnerable and be seen with mm-hmm. other people. Like that's an ongoing practice for me. That's been a big part of my journey. And I mean, to me, that is that is the practice is just recognizing where. I feel discomfort and then how do I hold myself in that and continue to explore because that's where the growth lies. Always, always, always. I love that quote that you said earlier and I'm going to say it again. Discomfort is an indicator that there's something to grow from. Yeah. That's where the superpowers lie. That's where the growth lies. That's where the fun is actually. Totally. Even though it's scary as hell and, and (laughs) most of the time I was like, do I really want to go there? But it really can be fun. Yeah, it doesn't stop. have to be so serious. You don't have to do an Iron Man, people. You don't have to jump out of an airplane. Just like deal with yeah. sit in discomfort. It's a way cheaper way <laughs> to scare the hell out of yourself and have a new totally. experience. <laughs> Name an emotion. Ah, I'd rather jump Woo! out of an airplane. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Just try it. Try it. It, it kind of gets addictive after a while too. Addictive is a, I should probably not use that term, but it, it becomes such a game and such a. You get a taste for it, I guess is what mm-hmm. I'm trying to say, right? Because you start yeah. to see the progress. It's like when you're trying to lose weight and you lose those first couple of kilos and then you just start to see the progress and it's so exciting and you keep going. It's the same with doing the work. You have moments of just being like, woo, downhill on the roller coaster and it's just yeah. exhilarating, right? Totally, it is. Don't be it afraid really. of the work. And I mean, there's no going back. Like the more we reveal... Like for me, it's like when I can't show up inauthentically, I mean, I still do. I still have my survival patterns that kick in, but it's like, it feels gross to go and do things that don't feel aligned with me now. Like before I would have, I would have overrode or, I mean, we all still override for sure. But you know, I would have just like, whatever, I'm going to do that. Whereas now I'm like, no, this is what I need. So the more, the more we get curious and learn more about ourselves, the more we can really discover what's true to us and what do we want in life and what do we want to say yes to and say no to and be okay with even if it brings up discomfort you know say no to the things we don't want to be doing and yeah it's to me so worth it I had something come up a couple of weeks ago where I didn't listen to my gut instinct which was that I didn't want to do something and then I did it anyway and then I went wrong and just realizing the work there, the progress there, the victory there was seeing it so clearly, realizing exactly what had happened and being like, I did not listen to myself. I did not trust myself, my instinct. I did not respect my boundary that my body was screaming at me for. Yeah. Because if you start to listen to your body, you start to realize the people who make you uncomfortable mm-hmm. or the things that you do or do not want to do. 
or the situations that make you feel scared or it's it's like opening up a layer to life that you didn't even know existed isn't it totally totally and through that you gain more and more access to those intuitive sensations hits to your deeper knowing right it's like the more you do that the more you just know yeah it's like an escape room. It is a bit. You get one key and then you can go to the next bit. And I think that might be a good way to leave it with people. Somatic experience. It's the new escape room. <laughs> without the extreme terror and horror. <laughs> you have all people. the time you need. It's, no, there's no chaos right. here. It doesn't need to be chaotic. I retract that. Be <laughs> I, I retract that. Lest I alarm Nicole. You know, be nice to the guests, Betsy. Be nice to the guests. But, yeah, I mean, it is. It's it's fun in its own scary yes. way. It is fun. Yes. And it's freedom. It's worth it. It's freedom. Yeah. It's yeah. a superpower. It's all of those things, isn't it? Yeah, well, any totally. final pearls of wisdom or thoughts that you would like to leave people with? Because this has been fun and you're definitely coming back in season three. I'm excited. Yes. Yeah, just the invitation to get curious, to to not have to, or to, this is easier said than done, to shift out of trying to fix and just invite yourself into just discovering what is true to you, whether it's your trauma or your survival patterns or something else that's really starting to wake up and just get curious because mm. it seems easier than doing your work yeah just get curious mm-hmm. that is mm-hmm. the work uh nicole yeah. thank you so much for the fun chat the easy thank chat you. the hard chat the, the demo the discomfort all of the things all the things capital a capital t capital <laughs> It has been an absolute pleasure and I'm looking forward to getting you back in season three when we'll be talking about the discomfort of creating and stepping into the new human experience because this is important. Yeah, survival patterns, allies, just all that stuff. So take care of yourself. We will see you back online. We might even be doing video next time if I can sort out my background situation. Home studio sitch. Yes. You know, we do what we need to do. Gotta do what you gotta do in this age of home podcasting, right? Exactly. Well, take care of yourself. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you to my team who helped me produce this podcast, to my brilliant editor, Dimitar Tvedkov, to Thomas Sheffer for the original music, and to Luis Amaro for the original artwork. If you enjoy this podcast, you can help me reach new listeners by leaving me a five-star and written review on Apple Podcasts, following me on Spotify, or anywhere else you love to listen to podcasts. You can also follow me on Instagram at TheBetsyReed. That's B-E-T-S-Y-R-E-E-D. If you're interested in bonus episodes and guided meditations I record regularly, head over to Patreon.com and become a supporter. For the price of a coffee each month, you get access to a community. So there's really only one thing left to say. Thank you for spending time with me. Stay uncomfortable.